Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Transformation for Success radio talk show. I'm going to give a big shout out to my local, national, and international listeners. I am so excited today that you've tuned in to the show. I have a great guest in the studio today, Miss Jasmine Henderson, who is a current two-time world record holder, former professional soccer player, author, empowerment speaker, and mom. She has an incredible story of when an interruption reveals your purpose. So I want you to stay tuned because you do not want to miss this show. And I want to say to those of you who cannot listen live, you can download the show later and listen to her story. Transformation for Success radio talk show is on the Empowerment and Women's channels on Tuesdays and Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So you've got plenty of opportunities to listen to the shows. And if you have questions or comments on today's show, I welcome you to call in live at 1-888-346-9141. And I'm going to give that to you again. It's 1-888-346-9141. Or... If you're Skyping, you can Skype them to me at info at transformationforsuccess.com. So, welcome, Jasmine. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Hi, Dr. B. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Listen, I knew when I first met you a few months ago that I had to have you on the show. You know, and I want to give sort of a big shout out to Dr. Mimi Nartley, who put together Mom Entrepreneur, where we all had a chance to share. And I had a chance to meet you there, Jasmine. So thank you again for agreeing to be on the show. It was just a powerful moment when we met and connected. But you've Mm -hmm. had such a remarkable journey in the soccer world. You've had an opportunity to play professional soccer in Brazil. And after a disappointment and heartbreak, and I know this because you shared a bit with me, tell us how this all began for you. As it always begins, (laughs) you know. uh, (laughs) There's always a beginning. (laughs) Yeah, it, it, it always, you know, it starts with the dream. And uh, it starts with a dream and a passion. And the this soccer journey of mine started all the way back, you know, when I was five years old. And wow. I saw my older brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he played soccer. And so I told my parents, hey, I want to do that, too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just God bless their hearts because I know they were looking at me kind of uh, kind of sideways because I was into pink and Barbies and makeup and, you know, just a true girly girl. And um, coming from uh, a sports background, my mom had played uh, semi-pro softball when she was 16 in Germany, and my dad played sports, and um, my grandfather's at the Hall of Fame at his college in Laverne. So we had a lot of sports background, but, you know, when I was five, it it didn't look like I was heading that way. (laughs) Um, But, you know... What I really love is they, they really gave me that opportunity to try. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that as I say, you know, uh, that, that was it. That was history in the making. I played in my, you know, first league. And, of course, I, I cried because my shin guards were itching me or because I knocked down a cone. And, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, wow. you know, all, already a true perfectionist at heart. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. But, uh, you know, but my, my dad, he, he was awesome, you know, and, and I think a lot of what we'll be talking about, you know, is women in sports and empowerment. And I look back and I'm so grateful, Dr. B, that I had parents who really supported me and, and both mm-hmm. parents, my, my mom and my dad. That's who important. believed in me and mm-hmm. allowed me to just try anything. So that's, that's really where it all started was just I started playing sports because I saw my brother do it. I played soccer and then... And then I, I, I got bit with the bug and I caught it and I um, started playing everything, basketball and softball and uh, running track and doing volleyball, just anything, you name it. If it had a ball and a team, I was in it. <laughs> and um, yeah. and then, 
just really, you know, deepened my passion for soccer. And uh, by the time I was 17, I got the opportunity to play in the biggest youth tournament in the world, soccer tournament in the world, the Gothia Cup in Sweden. Mm-hmm. And that was that was really one of those uh, life-changing moments um, because it's, you go there, you're sitting in your country section, and mm-hmm. it's like country after country. It's like a mini Olympics, and they're walking the track. And it's wow. really where I saw the power, how soccer really can unite people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was 17, and it was my first time ever out of the country. And that's when really the, the dream really firmed up in my heart that I knew that soccer was going to be and play a big role in my life for really just how I wanted to unite and impact people. Mm-hmm. And it, so, like I said, it all, it all starts with a dream. And uh, even before then, seeing uh, the women, the USA women, beat China in the World Cup, you know, in the 90s. And mm-hmm. I can remember exactly where I was. And that, those were my first, you know, my first heroes, right? Like my first, like, real right. big role models to, to be like, oh, this, this soccer thing, you know, quote, soccer thing is really possible to do. Jasmine, I have a question, though, um, going back, you know, to you were five. How old was your brother? Just just a quick note. How old was he? You were five, and how old was he? Yeah, so he's about a year and a half older than me. Exactly. Okay. So he was, the, he was the, only six the question, <laughs> the question I have <laughs> is that, you know, you wanted to play soccer because of your, your older brother. But, you know, the, the people can't see you. Too bad we're on, on television. But you're extremely beautiful. So one of the things, uh, and you're a natural beauty. I mean, I've met you in person, so I know. Uh, did you, you have a challenge with being this this beautiful you know, young woman and having challenges because I think there's always that conception or preconception that if you're not attractive, you go into sports. But did you have challenges because of your, your beauty? <laughs> All right. Um, that's so interesting. I've never actually thought about that. But, you know, um, I was definite, definitely a, a tomboy. But I, I think as far as that, if anything, it, it allowed me to not rely on my beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and to really allow me to find substance, so uh, there are definitely moments, um, especially as I got older and started, um, you know, playing with more like you know boys slash young men, and then men that they would kind of yeah, I mean they would kind of either you know discount me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and as a actually as a little girl, I actually did do modeling as well as a little girl. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, but it was always. So I think the atmosphere and the the way that my parents chose to bring me up to never to never really rely on that. So I, I think as far as the challenge of you know as you say kind of kind of being beautiful that that happened not actually when I was younger for me mm-hmm. um, that that had more of an impact for me actually once I graduated high school and mm-hmm. I was kind of you know outside of if you will my little bubble. And where, you know, going, heading to college and uh, meeting, meeting other young men in sports and, and actually them, them looking at me like, like I was meant to be more of like a, a trophy type mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and more of something that would just look great, unfortunately, look great just in their passenger seat, you know what I mean, um, <laughs> of, of their car. So it was, mm-hmm. it was more, I, I feel like the challenges when I was younger um, uh, I didn't have so much as far as like the, where the beauty is concerned. Um, I didn't really run into that until, mm-hmm. like I so said, I kind of graduated high school and when I was a little bit older. Well, you know, one of one of the things that I do know that research says about young young girls, uh, particularly who go into sports, are, or should I put it this way, they're more physically active. That the greater their self esteem is, mm-hmm. and so yes. uh, I mean, that's one of the things I was gonna, you know, ask you. You know, how much did this do to just help you with your self esteem, accomplishing all these things? Well, absolutely. I mean, I. I became a very confident, very self-aware young woman. Like, I, mm-hmm. I look back to all the opportunities that I took, you know, that a lot of kids or children, especially even, even all, the, all the way back to elementary school, where mm-hmm. I, 
because I was playing sports and, and I was active and, and I, I was learning, you know, how to be a leader and, and I was good. So I, I made these kind of all-star travel teams. So it really empowered me to where even in elementary, like I had the confidence to, you know, go to the math Olympics, to the speech meets and compete, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. even in that. And um, by sixth grade, I was, you know, the first uh, class president at our elementary and it just one after another it was it was like all the things that i was learning and i and i of course didn't have the full awareness to realize that it was playing sports that was giving me this confidence but mm-hmm. all of that confidence that i was gaining and really diving into you know how to be a follower how to be coachable how to be a leader um mm-hmm. to make to take risks and make mistakes and and to recover from it all these things that i was learning on the soccer field totally gave me that confidence mm-hmm. where I was, I, you know how some people say, you know, when we're, um, when we're older, you know, we, <laughs> with that, with that <laughs> self-confidence that we have, you know, that we almost feel unstoppable or untouchable. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, but I really felt that by the time I got in high school, because I had all this, all this evidence and all this built up support in, doing sports and, and wanting to be the best that I could be, um, that totally translated into grades, even um, uh, at the college prep school that I went to. I was still in the enriched classes. And by 10th grade, again, I was class president and captain of my team. So it was all these things to where um, because I started to do and be my best on the field, that I wanted to be that everywhere. Uh, it really impacted my confidence. So I, I, I think, yeah, starting at five years old, and, and back then, <laughs> at five years old, we played with the boys. It wasn't yes. separated. Right, right. So I, at a very young age, I really found that confidence that, hey, I, I can compete. You can and do I, it. And there's space for me to compete. Yeah. And I think that's great. And that's why I'm, I'm a proponent of women you know, becoming, you know, really getting involved in sports because I think it does help. But one of the things that uh, I do know, what happened, uh, Jasmine, if you can share, when you got the opportunity to try out in Florida to be a diva for the World Wrestling Entertainment, what happened there? Right. <laughs> so the as the story goes, it was mm-hmm. about two weeks before I was meant to fly out there. So just to give you a little recap, I had gone and played professionally in Brazil. I came back just kind of disillusioned of my experience there. And we can dive into that maybe later, but I, I just was looking to see what was next. And because I knew myself mm-hmm. as an athlete, I had been a fan of the WWE growing up with my, again, with my brother. And, uh-huh. you know, we would be tag team. We would, as little kids, we would pull out all the cushions and, We'd wrestle, you know, together in the living room. And so I'd always been a fan. So we went and saw a live show, and I simply just said, hey, I can, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And that's literally all it was, um, was saying I could do that. And, and I let a friend of mine know who was a um, pro MMA fighter who knew somebody. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm getting this offer to go try out in Florida. And what happened is, like I said, I had had this full confidence and fully built up support and evidence saying that I'm, I'm a winner, I'm confident, all these things. Like I said, unstoppable, untouchable uh, up until high school. And then slowly, and this is something that I had to reflect on once the interruption happened, because mm-hmm. um, I found myself two weeks, two weeks before I was about to go, uh, that I was actually gaining weight and... To somebody that may not sound like, you know, an alarm system, but when you're, if you've ever seen the divas, they're quite fit and every mm-hmm. pound, if you will, matters. And so yes. I, I'd gained one pound <laughs> and a few days later I weighed myself again and I'd gain another pound. And then it had it, it finally hit me. Uh, oh my gosh. Am I, am I pregnant? Oh no. And indeed. Yeah. And indeed, um, I went ahead and, you know, went to the store, you know, bought the equipment to check. And sure enough, I I was pregnant. And by the time I 
had gone to the doctors, uh, I found out that I was, in fact, two and a half months pregnant. Wow. Wow. Leading up to that, and talk about, like I said, when we talk about interruptions and surprises, that was definitely the biggest interruption of of my life up to that point. I guess so, yeah. When things like that happen, you know, when we, when we get that interruption of, you know, and for me, it was, it was an unexpected pregnancy. For others, it could be an unexpected death in the family or, you know, you lose Mm -hmm. your job or, you know, you get a diagnosis, right? And when those interruptions happen, sometimes you're just like, how did I get here? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and what happened? And so, uh, that's actually what, what led me to write my first book was because I was diving into this because if, if you had asked me at 25, you know, was that my plan to be basically a single mom? Mm-hmm. Because at that point I had, I had let my ex know we were already broken up and he didn't want anything to do with the situation. So uh, I actually went from a virgin to a single mom in that moment or about to be an expecting single mom in the span mm-hmm. of about four months. Wow. Very, yeah. very interesting. So here you yeah. are going to have, yeah. you know, going to Florida to try out to be a diva, and you find out that not only I'm not going to be a diva, I'm going to be a mom. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. What? I mean, I imagine. And how old were you at that time, Jasmine? I was 25. 25 and facing this. So you know what? I know this was a, uh, and I want to thank you for being transparent about that because that is a jolt uh, with a high flying career that you'd had and the success that you'd had. But I just have one quick question. Did that damage uh, a bit of your self-esteem? And we're going to hold that question until we come back after break. So listeners, stay tuned because we're going to be right back with the story of what happens when you have an interruption and how does that help you step into your destiny and fulfill your purpose. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you left the cage that held you back but find yourself in the wild of your life wondering, what do I do now? I'm Dr. Lisa Cooney, and today I'm going to give you the tools to answer that question. Regardless of the issue, your choices of the past no longer need to haunt you. You have the power to change that and to create from a space of fun and ease. How different can your life be? Find out. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, hello there, and welcome back to my interview today with Ms. Jasmine Henderson, our current two-time world record holder. She's a former professional soccer player, an author, an empowerment speaker, and a mom. And before we went to break, Jasmine is sharing her story of what happens when an interruption reveals your purpose. So, Jasmine, 
as we went on break, you were sharing, here you are trying out for the w, a diva to be on the WWE, and you find out you are pregnant. And more importantly, you're with a guy, you were engaged, who did not really want to have anything to do with you, and basically you were a virgin, and now you're facing being a single mom. How did that impact you, girl? I know, because I know it did. Yeah, and and that's the the big thing is, and I call it I call it such a beautiful interruption because at the time, mm-hmm. honestly, Doctor B, you you would not have recognized me. I know, like you said, people unfortunately there were this is not televised, so you can't see what I look like. But uh, at the time, you know, I was wearing you know fake eyelashes every single day. My hair was short. It was literally at that point Rihanna red. And mm-hmm. I, I was wearing heavy makeup and I, but I, the reason, and there's, there's, listen, I'm all for beautification, enhancement, feel confident, you know, wear, wear what, what, what really supports you and empowers you to really feel, you know, sexy and beautiful and confident. Mm-hmm. But right. For me, it, but for me though, it, it, it really was a mask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what it just, Stopped me in my tracks when, again, just finding out that I was pregnant. And, and first, first of all, I, my whole family thought I was still a virgin. I, I, I had only told. So I, I come from, uh, you know, a Christian belief, Christian background. I, I'm a believer, and, and mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the way we were raised. And so for me, it was huge for me yes. to even just to tell my family, hey, I'm not only not a virgin anymore, but I'm pregnant. Uh huh. And going family member to family member, you know, breaking the news essentially, and, and hey, I'm not going to Florida anymore to pursue this dream. Mm-hmm. And then to also, like I said, to have different people in the church, and you know, some were supportive, and unfortunately, some were very judgmental. And then mm-hmm. on top of all that, I'm already judging myself because. You know, here I had kept this yes. vow for 25 years. Of course. And, and you know, also feeling um, sadness, anger, resent, resentment, loneliness. Mm-hmm. Because I also, too, I was like, man, to, to myself personally, I was thinking, I know so many people that are sexually active. And I'm like, I am in a relationship with this guy for three months. We break up. And, 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 I, and essentially in the three-month relationship... I got pregnant a month and a half in Dr. B. Okay. And mm-hmm. and I didn't even know that mm-hmm. until like I said till a, about a month later uh, or a month and a half later, right? So it it was so shocking and and to be honest my self-esteem at that point what I realized was that all that that confidence that I had was really a facade now. And I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Because like I said I I realized that I had been wearing this mask, but really, ever since I'd gotten out of high school, you know, and I start playing, you know, Division One college soccer, where, you know, I, and this is the way that I internalized and I personalized it, you know, um, I, am I good enough to be on the field? Am I worthy to be on the field? And that's due to playing time with your coach, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm mm-hmm. asking that, and I used to be the yes girl. I would always say yes, it, if my friends would ask me to do this or that, like I never wanted to say no. And uh-huh. so was I worthy of my friendship? And then even in my dating relationship, you uh-huh. know, um, having that commitment or that vow to wait until marriage, uh, as you can imagine, it's not popular with everybody. <laughs> and uh-huh. so um, we would date and about a month into dating, you know, they would see that I was actually serious and not, and not joking about it. Mm-hmm. And so they would be like, oh, okay, that's not for me. And so instead of just saying, okay, that's not for them, I took it personally. And I oh, started wow. asking myself, you know, am I worth mm-hmm. waiting for? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, as I said, so all these little chips, chips that just kept nicking at, away at my self-esteem that I didn't really realize until this interruption where it, this, this interruption was so big <laughs> that I mm-hmm. had to take a look. Like mm-hmm. there was no other way. Like, I mean, well, to be honest, did, did I have to look? No, I didn't have to. But for me personally, 
I felt that conviction to where I was like, how did I get here? I, I got to take a look at how I ended up for a vow that I had kept for 25 years. How did I break that vow? Uh-huh. And more importantly, you know, with that self-worth, I knew deep in my heart, Dr. B, especially when I found out that I was going to be a mom, I was like, I want to be the best woman possible that I can Uh be, and I knew it was going to take healing. You know, what I was thinking as you were saying that, and I'm glad you're so uh, transparent and authentic in sharing this, is because I think many uh, women and many of us have suffered from having what I call that false sense of self-esteem. It's a... Am I making sense? Yeah. Self-esteem built on a false premise. But when you really peel the layers back and start to really look at it and see it as it really is, it always gets down to, am I really worthy? Am I really this good? Am I really good enough? And so I thank you for sharing that because maybe that'll help somebody that maybe is stuck with that and begin to look inward as you did. So what what motivated you? Was this a part of what motivated you to write your first book, A Broken Vow, My Journey from Version to Single Mom? And But you were still stuck. But what did you want the reader to know uh, when you, uh, to learn when you wrote that book? Yeah, so for me, it's, it's two things. One, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring awareness because to sex after high school (laughs) because, you know, I think there's a lot of, and and rightfully so, there's a lot of, you know, um, education and support in in high school about making these decisions, but it's almost like once you turn 18, and this is is both in the church and just in in public, in the community, then they're like, okay, fly free, you're an adult, (laughs) you know, and Uh So my, my challenge in that conversation is really having that conversation with yourself, whether, you know, whether you want, whether you're choosing to be abstinent, sexually active, waiting for marriage, not waiting for marriage in a committed relationship or, um, or just, or not. And just, again, like I said, um, having different partners, what does sex mean to you? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what do you want it to mean in, as it pertains to yourself and your relationship? So... That was the one, one, one of the reasons, you know, and to give uh, some support for women and men and their parents to be able to start to have those conversations. But then mm-hmm. really, the second reason why I wanted to write this book is because, like you said, Dr. B, maybe, maybe your situation's like mine, and maybe it's not. And at, at the core of this is I really wanted women to find their worth again. And mm-hmm. sometimes I think, Dr. B, we think that we've done these almost like horrendous things, things that we can never recover from, mm-hmm. and things that, that mar us and scar us that we can't heal from or that um, all of a sudden now make us unworthy. And there's a chapter in my book, um, you know, call, uh, about finding my pearls. Mm-hmm. And it's really mm-hmm. a call for women and young women to find your pearls again, to find your worth, to not throw them at everything. You know, as they say, you know, don't catch your pearls before swine. And yeah, my favorite book that says men, that. That's a favorite quote. Don't cast your pearls yeah. before swine. <laughs> and the thing is, listen, I'm not saying that, that men are pigs. That's not what I'm saying, okay? No, but, no, we're not saying that. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm getting at, though, is like, you know, hold tight to your pearls. Don't let anybody tell you what you are worth. And to be honest, Dr. B, like I said, as I, that false sense of confidence, I have let my achievement define uh-huh. my worth. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. so as, as, you know, quote, rejection, really, rejection is just made up in my mind, right? It's, it's almost like I, I liken it to if somebody, if I offered you a piece of gum and you said no, I wouldn't take that personally because it's just a, you know, it's just a piece of gum. Mm-hmm. But likewise, though, in, and this is in anything, in dating or in a job that you're going for, or as you're aspiring to your dreams, if somebody says no, you don't have to take that personally because it's not about you. They're mm-hmm. just saying no. That's it. And if That's it. Be happy because there's somebody or something or someplace somewhere that is a yes. And so tell me. Yes, not the no. 
No. So tell me, Jasmine, how did you, uh, you know, you, you wrote that book, and I'm so glad you're sharing, too, what you wanted the reader to get out of that book. But you say you were still stuck, and it wasn't until you let go of what you call your good plan of being that mm-hmm. professional soccer player for a greater plan. And what was that you had to let go of? Yeah, so as I as I described, like I said, I still had this sense of, uh, of achievement being attached to my worth. And, and so part of that, you know, um, going and playing professionally, like, that was my plan. I, I knew that I wanted to empower and impact women, even, even, you know, that was, and that was the road, that was the vehicle in my mind that was going to get me there was playing professional soccer. I was like, okay, I'm going to play professional soccer. I'm going to get endorsement deals. I'm going to show young girls, you know, um, a, a true role model and all these different things. And I, in my mind, in my plan, that's what, what, what it was going to take to get me there, either to be a professional athlete, like I said, on the WWE or, you know, professional soccer player. And to be honest, once I got pregnant with Paul, uh, you know, because of what happened in Brazil, I was, I, I had broken up with soccer. You know, I was like, I'm taking a break. I don't like you right now. And, <laughs> and, and I still had like a lot of emotional stuff to work through that. So um, writing the book, that was like the first taste I feel of uh, something outside of soccer and something bigger than soccer that really started to open me up. And right. so it started to open me up, but I was still stuck because I hadn't dealt with and I hadn't healed with, like I said, this breakup <laughs> that I had with soccer over the fact that, you know, it, it didn't work out professionally. And uh-huh. so it wasn't until uh, a few years later uh, after having Paul that um, I played semi-pro soccer again, and I had a friend of mine who encouraged me to come out and play again, and so I did. I hated it, but then I, I thought, well, I'm still good. Okay, so maybe again. So in so now I'm I'm healed with okay, like God. Okay, you gave me soccer, so I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to play. I'm going to do this, but it was still my plan. So I'm like, okay, well, since I'm still good, maybe I'll go back and play in Brazil because now I'm smarter. I know where to go. Da da da. And so at that time, because like I said, soccer wasn't a dominant in my life. It had opened up these other areas, like writing my book, like speaking like mentoring mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. Um, being a role model for these uh, young girls, especially in high school, uh, it had opened, me, opened up another path. Mm-hmm. And so there, here I was maybe about a year and a half ago, uh, essentially with these two paths ahead of me. Either, either I was going to go back to Brazil, go back to what I know, right, mm-hmm. and, and the original dream, and, and play professionally because I had reached out to other fellow soccer players, like I, I had places to go. So either uh-huh. I'm going to pursue that or I'm going to trust this new speaking thing and really commit to it. And I'm going to let that go. So, you know, you know, Dr. B, have you ever, and maybe the listeners too, have you ever asked a question that you don't want to know the answer to? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty much where I was. And I knew, cause I knew it was choice time cause it was, uh, around, I believe around November, December when it was really getting serious. And if I was going to go to Brazil, I needed to, you know, buy a plane ticket and get there around January, February. So I go to church cause I, like I said, that's what I believe in. And, and I, I say a prayer. I said, okay, God, you let me know. And I go to church that day. And like I said, I really didn't want to know the answer. And it was, almost like as clear as day, I need you to shut this door and close it for professional soccer so you can fully commit to what I have for you. Uh-huh. And I, I'm telling you, I was bawling. Like, <laughs> I, I, I was just crying because, you know, it was everything that I knew and it was all, all my best laid plans, right? Like, it, at every every extra soccer practice, every extra run, you know, when I was younger, you know, the night on, on, on Friday nights when every, all the other, you know, kids were out, you know, at the bowling alley or watching movies or having a party. Like I was on the treadmill at my house, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it was everything that I had worked for. So 
I said, okay. You gave it up. That, you gave it up. Yeah. You simply gave it up. Gave it up. And that's what, that's, that, you know, the reason why I'm st- stopping at that point, because I think it's so important for people to know, and even the listeners and many out there, that when you give up, oftentimes it isn't, it's giving up to go up. And to make yes. that sacrifice, which you did, and you had the courage to do it, I want to applaud you for that. And I know that must have been difficult because it's all you knew was soccer. And as you stated, yeah. you were training all the time, preparing for a comeback. But but God had something else planned for you. It wasn't. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm he sure of, did. <laughs> I'm sort of laughing because I think of all the plans that we make, he has an even yep. better plan, a greater plan. Yep. So. When you, when you laid that, what I call it, sort of made that, that altar of sacrifice, so to speak, I'm laying it out there, and yeah. then what happened? You got an opportunity, another door opened. Yep, and that's, and that's what I'm honestly, I'm, I'm still so humbled and amazed because, again, yeah, sure, if you would have asked me, you know, my plan, right? Uh, my plan uh, <laughs> would, especially with becoming a single mom, would I have written that? No, but at the same time, would I now have written or ever known that I would now be, you know, two-time world record holder and a TEDx speaker and on ESPN and all these different things? No, but guess what? When I, when I laid my plan down, uh, I, it was a, I, I have to look at the timeline, but it, it literally, I, I feel like it was either a week or, or two weeks after that when I got connected with Equal Playing Field about the opportunity is, to set that a world terrific. record. And then, then you set all these records, and you speak on the TEDx yeah. stage, as you've mentioned, interviewed on ESPN. And I think the most beautiful part is that you've been able to impact thousands of girls and women around the world. And I really, yeah. really, again, want to applaud you for doing that and listening to you share this phenomenal experience. But one of the things I'm picking up, too, and I hope the audience is, too, is that willingness to give up something that you felt was so important to you. So we're going to come back after a quick break, and we're going to talk about what motivated you to play a 90-minute soccer game at almost (laughs) 19,000 feet in a crater. So listeners, stay back. We'll be back with my guest, Ms. Jasmine Henderson. So stay tuned, and thank you for listening. on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life, or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back to my interview today and my just absolutely inspiring discussion with Ms. Jasmine Henderson, who has been sharing her transformational journey. And before we went to break, uh, I was asking uh, Jasmine, what motivated you? This woman went to play a 90-minute soccer game at almost 19,000 feet in a crater. So, Jasmine, how did you get there? And what motivated you to do this? <laughs> you know, well, it's, it's, so, it's so cool because um, as we were also talking about, like, just laying things down, it, it, it opened my eyes, honestly, when, when I heard about 
this amazing project and opportunity with Equal Playing Field to go set a world record, you know, but it, it really, the motivation definitely was obviously for the overarching theme of, you know, women equality in sports, but mm-hmm. also for me personally, it was this opportunity to, again, really show people what, what is possible, mm-hmm. that these mountains in our lives that we have, because that's, I was already feeling, um, like, I, okay, let's, Let's be honest. I'm I'm a girl from L.A. I've never climbed a mountain, okay? Not like that. (laughs) You know, I think the highest altitude, you know, close to me is like the hills of Malibu. You know what I mean? Um, (laughs) Right. But, you know, as I I was hearing them and I was was thinking to myself, you know, I don't know anything about climbing a mountain, but I'm, I'm in it, especially for women equality. Let's do it. But really when I thought about it, I was like, Jasmine, but you have climbed mountains in your life. Mm-hmm. And you have conquered mountains, and obviously gender equality in sports like that's a mountain that many of us are climbing right now, and that that started for me when I was five, right? Mm-hmm. But right. really, I was like, man, if, if we could pull this off, if we could play ninety minutes, uh, you know, on top of Mount Kilimanjaro, I was just thinking, man, how many people? could we inspire to see that anything is possible in their life? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was such a personal message to me, not just, not just for women as well, but mm-hmm. also, you know, for my, for my son who, you know, is um, on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so his, his label, right? So my, my label that I'm, you know, was in working on is being female, right? Is being mm-hmm. a woman. Right. And how sometimes that, that label can, can give us some, some boundaries and some barriers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for him, you know, having that label of being autistic, I wanted him to know that anything is possible, anything, no matter who they say you are, mm-hmm. it matters about who you are mm-hmm. and taking that to the top. And honestly, Dr. B, like, I, I, I was all about it. Yeah, I want my son to see and I want to inspire the kids. <laughs> but, but to be quite honest, Mm-hmm. This is something that I had to remember again. And That's great. it's something that I had to learn at the top, you know, because especially that, that last, my goodness, that last climb, it was a five-hour climb at 2.30 in the morning. Oh, my get, goodness. Yes, to get to the top oh. um, where the crater is. Oh, and my goodness. I, I, to say I was on the struggle bus is an understatement. And it was mainly because I woke up with a huge pain in my stomach. And the oh, whole no. time, I, I had been fine. And for whatever reason that morning, I woke up and, and I had a pain in my stomach. It was so bad that, um, you know, we had been in separate groups climbing the whole time. About an hour in, you know, I, I lost my group. And it was just me, my porter, and a guide. Oh, wow. Trying to get me up there to this crater and... And I, I had to find something within me. And so not more than just, you know, because as, as you were alluding to before about, you know, becoming a single mom, how did that impact your self-esteem? Mm-hmm. And again, to be candid with people, yeah, okay, I had been, I had this, you know, winning and championship background, you know, growing up and a leadership background where, like I said, all the self-confidence. But to be honest, when I became a single mom, you know, I, I started to allow that label of, mm-hmm. oh, single moms are always supposed to struggle. They're always, you know, going to be, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, single or the head of, the, or, you know, or, or always have to be controlling. And there were certain things that when I had become a single mom, I was like, okay, God, like, I, I don't, I don't want to be bitter. I'm not, or I'm, I should say this, I'm not going to be bitter and I'm not mm-hmm. going to be this kind of controlling tight wound, like, because, it's a double-edged sword, this mindset that I had already had even before I had gotten pregnant of like, you know, mm-hmm. it, you know, I can, I can do it or I'll do it myself mentality. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and, and that's, that's all well. And, and for a lot of the things that I, I had accomplished, it did take that kind of motivation. But like I said, it can be a double-edged sword where then it can also hurt you at the same time. Right. right. And so anyways, uh, as I'm climbing the top of this thing, again, 
another surprise, another interruption of, of really for the first time that entire trip, you know, really thinking, am I going to make it? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think there are so many times in our lives, like I said, even, man, even becoming a single mom, I'm like, how am I going to make it? You know, <laughs> when, mm-hmm. when Paul gets his diagnosis of being on the spectrum, man, are we going to make it? How, how are we going to make it? And, and we have those moments, I think. And I remember trying to find inspiration. Oh, well, my team's counting on me. I got to go. And that wasn't enough. I was still doubling over. I was still stopping in pain. And so I'm like, okay, I'm doing this for my son, right? Like, I, he's got to know that things are possible. And I'm, I'm still in pain. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, you know, our, our guide, they, they were just amazing. But he, you know... And maybe it's an athletic, it happens, and maybe outside, uh, if you guys listeners or if you, Dr. B, you know when somebody says somebody, something and you know you're at a choice point, like they uh-huh. just have that tone in their voice where you you got to make a decision here. And um, it was that thing where he was asking me about my pain, and, and I could tell in his voice it was either I was going to need to head back down to to the camp where we were at. or oh, you were going to make it. Fine, Yeah. And at that point, I was like, okay, I got to find it. And that's, for me, again, that's when I just started praying. I was like, God, I don't know what it is, but I, I need your help. And that song uh, is a song by Elevation Worship called Do It Again. And it just talks about how through all these different things, you know, uh, God's going to do it again and again and again. And I started remembering what it was, what it felt like, that desperation, you know, um, when I found out that I was pregnant and when I felt alone and when I felt when I was questioning my worthiness and, and, uh-huh. um, and I felt isolated at times and how God got me through that. And, you know, and then I'm thinking about Paul and just how awesome of a journey, you know, honestly hearing the news that your son's on the spectrum again is, is kind of crushing in a different way. Cause then as a mom, now you're worrying about, well, what's his quality of life going to be? Is he going to be able to do this or that? And, and how are people going to look at him and talk to him and, and treat so him? So what did you all- do? So I, I started singing that song in my uh-huh. head. And, I, and, and five minutes turned to 10 minutes, turned to 15 minutes, and I, I was finally making headway, and I would take a sip of water. And really what I, what I really want the listeners to know is that whether you believe in God or not, And this is where, to the point of what we're talking about, this big thing on the show, is realizing how these interruptions, how these surprises in our life really give us the opportunity to find and grab hold of who we really are and what we're made of. And in that moment... Well, it certainly demonstrates that, I think. (laughs) You demonstrate that. And in that moment, again, whether you believe in God or not, that's my belief, but in that moment, that, that particular challenge, I... I couldn't rely on doing it for somebody else. I had to do it because I needed to find the champion that was in me. And I needed her. I needed to give her space and believe that she would rise up in this moment and that well, she, that we would do that again. But you did it, Janine. And we're going to be running out of time. So I really want to absolutely tell you that you got there to the top of that mountain, that crater, and you played for an hour and a half soccer. And yep. <laughs> how I, I feel? still can't even believe it. <laughs> you did it. The whole point of it is that you did it. And certainly you personify when an interruption comes into your life, it can turn into your purpose and your divine destiny. And I am so happy. I mean, I had to rush you up to the top of the hill. <laughs> Because I, yeah, wanted, I no, wanted to make sure absolutely. that I wanted to make sure the listeners were able to get it that you got there and played for yes. an hour and a half at almost nineteen thousand feet in a crater. So you are to be applauded, and I want to thank you for sharing today because you've been quite an advocate for women empowerment and equality, and you mentor young girls soccer players. And I want you to have one last word that you share with those soccer players and any of young girls out there or even young women, what would you say to them as we close the show today? I would say that when the biggest surprises come in life, 
Hold the space. Just breathe and hold the space and know that she will rise. That greatness that is within you is put there for a reason and that interruption is there so that you will, you will be able to see her, that greatness that is within you to rise again. Thank you so much. I, I can't... I just can't thank you enough. As I close the show today, Janine, I really, Jasmine, I really enjoyed talking with you. And girls need more mentors like you today and access for more opportunities for informal chats with sports figures like you. So I want to thank you again for the work that you're doing. And I wish you continued success in your endeavors and your new book that's coming out, She Will Rise. We'll probably have to have another show to come and talk about She Will Rise. So again, to my listeners today, remember, as Jasmine experienced and demonstrated, sometimes an interruption can reveal your purpose. So I want you to be inspired, believe that you can, and be forever transformed. Have a very blessed week, and I'm going to look forward to you next week when I have another guest who's going to share an incredible transformation journey. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Have an outstanding week.